This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking, show about the most interesting people and stories in Mississippi. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, editor-at-large and cartoonist with Mississippi Today. With this Friday commemorating Veterans Day 2022, uh, we're celebrating Mississippi veterans on the show, and I've invited the 2021 and 2022 Hattiesburg Veterans of the Year. Real quick, just jump in here. They both are rock stars and what they do, not only in the service, but what they've done in their community. Colonel Joseph Kennan at U.S. Air Force and Sergeant First Class Nelson Haskin Jr. with the Army National Guard. They're going to be discussing their honors, their lives, and their legacies. And I also have the honor of chatting with retired Colonel Sheila Vernado, chair of the Haysburg Veteran of the Year Selection Committee, to talk about the events surrounding their celebration of the holiday, including a 24-hour vigil, parade, and ceremony honoring the city's unsung hero. Jermaine and I will also recognize our own very special MPB veteran hosts and employees throughout today's show as well. And I've got to say a little bit about uh, Colonel the Colonel, uh, Sheila Vernado, I met her down at the 9-11 ceremony when I went down to Hattiesburg for that. And she's worthy of about a three-hour show in her own right. Uh, she, anyway, we'll talk to her a little bit about that, too. So we have got a fantastic show ahead of you. Jermaine, good morning. I just want to say a quick good morning to you. Good morning, Marshall. It's a beautiful morning. It's got great to just get your happy voice in on the air. So that's the main thing. And I don't know about you, but I actually went out and took the dog for a walk this morning and started sweating. And I'm like, well, is it August? It, no. No, it's, it's, it's November. November. It's yeah, welcome, in Mississippi. Hey, welcome to Mississippi. So there you go. I said, so in a way, it's like we're talking about Veterans Day. I was like, well, isn't it like normally cold? Yeah. And, all and, that, and so it's that. supposed to be, we're having, we're supposed to have on jackets right now. Something like that, definitely. Yeah. So I'm excited about today's show. I, I really am. And uh, we're just going to go ahead and bring in our first guest. And he's served in the United States Air Force from 1962 to 1988. That's a pretty long, a pretty long and illustrious career. He spent the last last part of his career as the commander of Detachment 423 of the Air Force Reserve Officer Training Corps at Southern Miss and was named Hattiesburg's 2021 Veteran of the Year. Welcome to the show, retired Colonel Joseph Kennan. Welcome to Now You're Talking. It's good to talk to you, sir. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Marshall. I, I like the upbeat spirit between you and Jermaine. It reminds me of the Air Force. Oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> My parents were actually in the Navy, Colonel Canan, so um, I do have an upbeat military spirit. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Yeah, Dad was in the Army, but my father-in-law was in the Air Force. And, and once again, thank you for the service. I always say this, just being an editorial cartoonist, that if you didn't do what you did, I couldn't do what I do. So I, I'm always very grateful. And Veterans Day is always kind of one of those days I like to show that gratefulness. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, tell, oh, congratulations. I mean, like I said, 2021 Veterans of the Year in Hattiesburg, which, you know, that's the neat thing about Hattiesburg is, you know, being down for the 9-11 ceremony is that the city does a great job, you know, highlighting the things that I think that are very important for us to remember. And the fact that they highlight veterans is great. And I know that was a huge honor for you to receive that. 
it was, and it was a surprise. And uh, our mayor, uh, Toby Barker, is just excellent in the way he uh, fosters this, this program. And, of course, Colonel Barnado, as you mentioned, she really spearheads uh, the selection and uh, helps with the events. So it's it was a surprise and a, a, an honor for sure. Yeah, I got to meet Colonel Varnado down at the 9-11 ceremony this year, and she's just a force of nature, isn't she? Yeah, that. Yeah, she's helped a lot of people through the volunteer program she set up here in the city. Yeah, well, tell us a little bit. I mean, how did you find out, and what was your reaction? And tell us a little bit about some of the events surrounding it. Well, my, my son, Chris, he's a, a retired Air Force colonel <laughs> also, and that shows how old I am. Well, <laughs> He he said, uh, uh, Colonel Varnado, uh, Sheila Varnado is on the phone, uh, and she has a message for you. And I thought he was kidding me because we did kid back and forth. And even when she told me that I had been selected, I thought, is this a friend of mine that's always pulling tricks? <laughs> you know. But uh, I was, uh, uh, I've been blessed. Uh, actually, in the city here, it's, it's been a blessing to work in the different uh, roles that I've had with the election commission and civil service. And, and others, neighborhood associations, just uh, the people that I met way back when I, I first came here in 83 with the Air Force ROTC, um, I was just so pleased with, uh, at that time, they were trying to promote racial harmony. And uh, I feel like uh, the city of Hattiesburg has uh, actually been blessed that way uh, throughout the years that we've been here uh, and come back here to, to uh, the relationship between people is solid. It's something that I guess, you know, that's so important in the military, too, is to be able – because you, you have to rely on the person next to you. It doesn't matter what color they are or what color they're not. So I, that's a, a sense that I guess you learn in the military, isn't it? It it really is. We did uh, – I've worked for people of all colors and persuasions and uh, and uh, been successful in that. But uh, but you have to uh, – you have to be open-minded uh, and, uh, and learn from the people that you meet because – Everybody has a good answer to anything that's confronting you. When you uh, when you won, what were some of the celebrations that went on with it? I mean, did you got a plaque? I would imagine, and so forth. What were some of the things that you got to do? Well, certainly a nice plaque and a, a, a grateful a neighbor next door, uh, <clears throat> Anel. Uh, she uh, prepared uh, the proclamation, city proclamation. She had it framed for me as a surprise. And then uh, some ladies from the community do quilts for for all the uh, the veterans that are honored, and uh, they they gave me an excellent quilt that uh, uh, I've used already. <laughs> but uh, it, and it has a lot of memorabilia on it, you know, pertaining to the Air Force, but also just uh, uh, people in the community. Uh, 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 the school children at Sacred Heart School, for example, they invited me over to uh, speak to the student body about uh, just uh, involvement, uh, civic involvement, and things like that. So there's been some nice spinoffs. What fueled your decision to join the Air Force? And, you know, t- and talk a little bit about your time in the service. Well, uh, I was at the University of Florida, and uh, my wife was a nursing student there, and uh, she had a ways to go yet. And I, I decided, since I got my degree, to to look into the service, and uh, I went to the Marines first, and it's not a put down to the Marines, but they kept telling me, we'll make a man out of you. <laughs> so <laughs> I decided since I was a man, at that point, I would check to see if anybody could help uh, use my degree. And since my degree was in kind of ge- geophysics, 
the missile program in the Air Force was kicking up because that was during the Cuban Missile Crisis. So I, I joined the Air Force and I uh, had 26 years. Finished up in Cheyenne, Wyoming uh, as a squadron commander of uh, uh, mainly satellite mapping uh, organization. Were you actually in NORAD? I mean, were you down in the in the mountain in Cheyenne Mountain, or where 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 were you? I mean, that's no, kind of that's pretty cool. No, but my son my son was. Oh wow! <laughs> Chris was more in he was more in the space area. Yeah. And uh, in my case, I was with the Defense Mapping Agency mainly at that time, and and it was uh, extremely interesting. I had a lot of people working for me that uh, were much brighter than I was in geophysics, <laughs> and I was over the White Sands Missile Range uh, during my last tour there for the Air Force part. That is an incredibly cool service. Now, what brought you to Hattiesburg? Well, um, when I was looking for an assignment in ROTC, that <laughs> gave me three choices. Uh, one's Vermont, one in <laughs> Michigan, and the other in Hattiesburg. And I called the personnel center of the Air Force, and I said, uh, what can you tell me about Hattiesburg, Mississippi? And they said, it's the best kept secret in the Air Force. <clears throat> I said, I'll take it. <laughs> and that's and Dr. Aubrey Lucas, uh, who was naturally a, a great citizen of Hattiesburg and the president at the time, I talked him into becoming the Air University uh, uh, chairman of their education uh, board. And uh, he loved that. Uh, he was so busy at the time, he still said, okay, I'll try it, Joe. And uh, he loved it, and I was so glad to have that kind of support from USM. Been a great university, of course. I know. I think about that in my career. I chose between Tacoma, Washington and Jackson, Mississippi, and I'm thinking, wow, that made a pretty big difference in my life. Uh, you could have been freezing <laughs> up in Vermont or in Michigan, so it worked out pretty well <laughs> that you ended up down here. Let's talk a little bit about your legacy and what you hope to leave behind. Well, I, I certainly want my six children, ten grandchildren, four great-grandchildren to uh you got a pretty good to, legacy, uh, always, yeah. Uh, <laughs> To stick close to the Lord, but uh, to be involved with any community they're in, to to <clears throat> give back, uh, to serve, and uh, that's uh, and they're they're all doing it now, uh, except the great grandchildren who uh, <laughs> just had twins two weeks ago. <laughs> well, they've got time. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's right. But uh, that the legacy would be that uh, that they treat everybody they meet uh, with dignity and uh, and care for their community. Obviously, your time in the military um, developed a spirit of, of civic involvement and service. And, and, you know, it's just amazing. I was just reading all the things that you've done in your career, but what you've done locally there in Hattiesburg. And, I mean, you have to contribute quite a bit of that to your service, don't you? Well, it really helped me uh, organizationally. And there's a, a great deal of respect that the people have uh, even the people in the city government that I worked with, uh, Mayor Dupree, Mayor Barker, and others, uh, and the police chiefs, I've worked with them, all of them. Uh, they've all been uh, very uh, supportive to me, and I I really want to extend my energy to, to support programs that they want to prosper. Tell us why, why it's important that we honor veterans. I mean, I have said why I think it is, but why do you think it is? <laughs> Well, it, it, I don't know. It's such a, a boost to the not just to the veteran, but to their family, their friends, and the community. When that, those honors are given, uh, I'm going to have the pleasure to go to the Bard School next week here, uh, special education program at USM, and judge the uh, 
military displays of each of the children there. Um, they have probably about 40 different displays, and the children explain this to me and to the other uh, service people there. And then we, uh, everybody gets an award, you might say. But uh, that that's one of the bright spots also of uh, being a veteran. That school, by the way, is incredible. It really is. Those kids are just so wonderful and so loving, and it's just amazing what they're able to do. Absolutely. It blows me away. In fact, I, I wouldn't miss it. Yeah, no, definitely. that. Like I said, thank you so much for spending the time. But also, too, thank you so much what you've what you've done for Hattiesburg. And of course, you know, all those years of, of being part of the ROTC program. I mean, you've been able to to kind of pass along the gifts that you've been given thanks to your service. And I just think that's a, a wonderful way to serve because serve means serving the country. But you also serve those young men and women that came through your program. Thank you so much. And we're grateful for you and Jermaine uh, doing what you do to just spread the word about so many people. I was looking back on your programs as I prepared here, and uh, I was impressed with the people along the way and the information you've imparted to all the citizens. Yeah. Well, obviously, um, you did your homework. You did your preparation. Mm-hmm. Are, are there any questions you'd like to ask us? Uh no, I just say uh, please continue what you're doing, and if you get get a chance to support the National Alliance on Mental Illness in our state, I, I know you have before. Uh, we we do a lot of work, Sandy and I, my, my wife's uh, with them. We would appreciate anything that can be done to spread the word that uh, there's help for people out there who are struggling with mental illness. But that's wonderful. Yeah, um, that's definitely in a show in its own right, because I know there's a lot of people after the pandemic, particularly, that are struggling and they're having to do it quietly, and we need to get rid of the stigma. And, and I appreciate the hard work that y'all are doing to help do that. Thank you. All right. And uh, anyway, uh, well, thank you for asking me to, to join you this morning. Oh, no, it's been great talking to you. I, I Probably, I think our paths might have crossed somewhere along the, but I hope they do again in the near future, because I'd love to be able to shake your hand. Well, thank you. I was in the audience when you gave the talk at the, with the fire department uh, on the 9-11 celebration. I am so when, sorry when you had to hear broken. me speak. I just want to just apologize. <laughs> I, I, I try to apologize to every person who ever has to hear <laughs> me talk. Yeah, that's not so. But uh, hey, bless your day. Bless your uh, Thanksgiving and the days ahead too. Amen. And I'm thankful for you and thankful for your service. Thank you. And uh, well, gosh, it's just great to be able to talk. All right. We'd like to recognize uh, some special MPB employees. Gregory M. Wells, retired master sergeant serving 24 years with the U.S. Air Force and is MPB's current assistant director of tech services. And Chris Routh is a retired first sergeant serving 30 years with the U.S. Air Force and currently project tech lead with MPB. Thank you both for your service to the United States of America. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. Serving in the Army National Guard part-time from 1995 until 2001 and in the Army National Guard Active Reserve from 2008 until 2020. I'd like to welcome to the show this year's Hattiesburg Veteran of the Year, retired Sir- Sergeant First Class Nelson Haskin, Jr., um, Sergeant, it's just really nice to be able to visit with you. I'm a big fan of what you do in civilian life, too. In fact, I'm a huge fan of Southbound Bagel. I just wanted to throw that out there. I appreciate it, yeah. Um, yeah, many fans out there. Uh, great place to eat. Yeah, no, you, uh, you, you've you done 
particularly well. And I'd like to know if you're bottling your energy and somehow selling that on the market because you could make a small fortune, all the things that you do. So it's unbelievable. Yeah, I appreciate it. They say when you do something you enjoy, it just, it, it, you, you don't have to work. Even though I'm working hard, but I enjoy every moment of it. Exactly, exactly. And uh, thank you so much for being on with us today. This is this is an honor, and it's, of course, really nice to be able to talk to the, the official 2022 Veteran of the Year from Hattiesburg, and congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. So what was that? What was it like when you got the phone call on that? Did you're like, really? No way. Yeah, I, 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 really, I did. It was more shot was at first because I, I actually started looking at the list of uh, past winners and I was like I don't know if I'm if I should be on this list there's a lot of great people on this list and you know you when, when you're working you don't really think about you know you, you don't do it for awards right and and those things come but um I was just uh, happy that I was nominated by some people and and um just being able to for someone to say, "Hey, this we think he's worthy of of this award," which which is such a, a prestigious award in in Hattiesburg, um, it's a lot of uh, um, this this award is, is is just really big, and just to be just to be the winner this year was overwhelming at first, but just real proud at this point of, of being able to uh, be recognized in that manner. Yeah, major props, A, to Hattiesburg for having it, but it makes all the sense in the world because of having Camp Shelby close by and, of course, the huge military tradition of that part of the state. Right, right. Big military presence down here. Camp Shelby has a, has a lot of impact, and, it's, and even as a in grade school, elementary, junior high, you knew my dad was in the military. So Okay. Uh, and my, grand, my grandfather was also. He was in the Air Force. My dad was in the Army National Guard also. So Camp Shelby has been a big part of my life as long as I can remember yeah, uh, going out there. So it, like you said, um, in the Hattiesburg area, that, that makes the military presence here is, is huge. Yeah. I was uh, just noticing over the weekend, they're showing ads now for the movie devotion, which is about Jesse Brown. He's from Hattiesburg and, and actually Lux originally, which I still think that's kind of cool too. So like you said, Hattiesburg's got that huge tradition. That's really cool. about your grandfather and your dad, tell us a little bit about what they did in the air force and, and the army. Um, so my grandfather, I'm not exactly 100% sure what, I just know he was stationed at Keesler. And so, okay. um, we, um, we, I'm originally from Gulfport, but I grew up in Hattiesburg. My dad, uh, well, my family, we moved to Hattiesburg when I was in the third grade. So that was around 1983. He came up to Hattiesburg to go to, uh, Southern Miss and, uh, we've been here ever since. And, uh, he was, uh, he was in the 890th engineering battalion out of Gulfport at first and then Lumberton, Mississippi, which is very close to Hattiesburg. And then um, he also was a recruiter. Um, his last, I think, he was in the, the National Guard for 32 years. 22 wow. were active. And he was a recruiter for the bulk of the, the, the latter part of his career. So, um, actually, that's how I ended. Um, <laughs> he was not really officially my recruiter, uh, but he was the, the driving force that how I ended up in the military. I mean, you literally, you know, and Jermaine could probably could agree with this. I mean, when you grow up in a military family like that, you've got basically recruiters 24-7, right? That's correct. Yeah, he had my my recruiting packet. was He had all the information. I didn't have to give him anything. He had my birth certificate, my Social Security card. He had all the information that you would have to give to a recruiter. He, 
So I was pretty much in the military before I knew it. So if you just said no, that might have caused a slight disagreement between the two of you, right? Yeah, at the time, because it, it was some circumstances that led up to me. Uh, I, I went to uh, Southern Miss in 1993 and wasn't doing so well in, in class. So that first year, I guess the following spring semester, I was uh, performing, uh, underperforming um, academically. So that was a conversation over the summer. And it was much, hey, this is what you're doing. Yeah. And so I didn't really have a choice. I didn't really have any arguing points. Everything he's saying was correct. Hey, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. This is what you need to do, and this is what you're going to do. And now in hindsight, looking back all those years later, would you say that he was right? Oh, he was right, yeah. I, we joke about it all the time because uh, now I can see clearly uh, that, that that was the best decision for me. Now, at the time, you've, if you would have asked me, of course, I kind of went kicking and screaming. But before I knew it, I was in basic training. And so – um, but we laugh and, and joke all the time because he, he can probably tell you better than I can that I was not a happy camper because I felt like I was being forced. Yeah. But, I mean, years later, that was one of the best decisions that was ever made for me. Yeah, I'm looking at you as a business person and as, and as an entrepreneur, and, you know, you think about the discipline that you've learned in the military. That has to play a big part in what you do day in and day out with your job. Definitely. Uh, you know, being in the military teaches you uh, a lot of things, but one of the, the, the best things it teaches you is to be resilient. And and when you're in business, it's an everyday climb. Yeah. And so one day affects another, and if you have to be resilient, you have to be tough, and you have to be able to get up from a bad day and know that you have to keep doing the same things over and over again to uh, achieve achieve success. But every day, even if you're doing it the right way, you might not get the results that you want, but you have to keep going. And that's one thing I learned in the military, even through physical fitness and even through the um, the daily grind of being in the military and some of the demands of, of your job, you know, you have to uh, definitely just be resilient day in and day out. So I think that's the biggest thing that's, thing that's helped me make that transition. I would imagine that the last couple of years, that resiliency really has paid off because it's been tough being in the restaurant business with the pandemic and then with the, the hike and the costs of, of everything and then the tough time getting people to work for you. It's just been a really tough time for the restaurant business. So uh, I imagine that has paid off, hasn't it? It has. I mean, the best thing that I think that we did to help us where we are now is we stayed open and we fought through the pandemic as a company. We didn't close, and um, and I know some companies had to do that. I was, you know, out of their control. But I just tried to stay and fight and be open, and, and you had the rising costs, and you had, you know, just the public health situation uh, with employees. And, uh, you know, we, we just did everything we could to keep the doors open. And I think keeping the bulk of our staff through the process has helped us uh, grow some roots uh, coming out of the pandemic. And so, uh, so yeah, it's been pretty tough, but at the same time, it's something we'll look back on in history and say, Hey, remember when this happened and how we, uh, and it can give us a template for the future if, just in case it happens again or something similar. That's true. And then you can look back on it too, with a degree of pride, you know, that you fought through it also. Right. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I thank my staff and family every day. I, every time I think about it, because, like I said, I saw so many uh, that were not as fortunate as we were, so many businesses 
and uh, it's just a constant reminder of, um, um, and definitely proud right now to, to to be where we are today. So when you went through basic training, do you feel like that that just kind of stripped you down and rebuilt you during that time? Um, well, you know, the thing about basic training back then, um, now I was big, had, I grew up in the, in a military kind of environment with my dad. It was, you know, I laugh about it now, but you know, it was, it was kind of a strict regimented. Oh, so you had a drill sergeant from the get go. Yeah. Now he would tell you differently because of course, uh, he, many years later, he, I tell him all the time, he softened up from, from, uh, grandkids and things have softened, softened yeah. up a little bit. But, uh, you know, getting in, being in basic training, it wasn't that much of a culture shock for me. And I, I always uh, consider myself, you know, I played basketball in high school, so the physical fitness part of it wasn't as challenging as I thought it was going to be because I was already in that mindset. But it it just gave me another opportunity just leaving. I, at that point in my life, I hadn't really left Mississippi that much a couple of times, but it was just an opportunity to see another part of the world, meet people from all over the, the country. So I actually, um, I know it's crazy to say, I actually enjoyed my time at basic training at AIT. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit about your service and some of the things you did and, and kind of give us a, an idea. Because like I said, you, you kind of had, it was broken into two parts. Right. So um, so I, I started in 1995, which was um, um, when I was in college. And I was in the reserve component, which is the Army National Guard traditional um, um, side. So there was only one weekend per month. And at that time, it wasn't a whole lot going on as far as um, it was right after Desert Storm when I enlisted. That happened when I was in high school. So from 95 until 2001, it was not a lot of deployments or anything going on. Um, and I, after my first six-year contract, I decided you know I wanted to do something different. And so I was uh, just just one weekend a month at Camp Shelby pretty much pretty – much, um, during that time, and uh, in 2001, which was May of 2001, I decided, you know, when my contract ended, that I wouldn't re-enlist. So those are, that first six years kind of uneventful. And, of course, we all know in September of 2001, that's when 9-11 happened. So uh, that changed everything. But at that point, I was out of the military. So I was out of the military for from 2001 to 2008 and uh, just was working in restaurants and doing things like that. And in 2008, I decided to, to, to re-enlist. And when I re-enlisted, I um, got a full-time position as a recruiter. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So that was, um, that's the bulk of my career was uh, in the recruiting and retention battalion here in Mississippi and started out in Jackson, Mississippi and, pretty much moved around the south part of the state from Jackson to Vicksburg, D'Abreville, to Southern Miss uh, as the on-campus recruiter. And at the very end, I was in Monticello, Mississippi, as a retention NCO. So, um, you know, went, went a couple places, never never deployed, went overseas. At that time, recruiters were non-deployable. Uh, so I pretty much just – just went through that process and uh, enjoyed recruiting and um, enlisted about 225 or so um, uh, soldiers into the military. And that's probably one of the best 
things I'm proud of is, uh, you know, creating that tree of, of because uh, a lot of the, the uh, young men and women that I enlisted are now captains and majors, and they've been all over the globe, and I still, I'm still in contact with them a lot. They still uh, send me messages on Facebook, or they, they, they call me and tell me to, you know, thank, thank me for sticking with them through the process. So that's, that's been one of the most rewarding things about uh, being a recruiter is you, you base, you, you're filling the ranks with uh, the future soldiers of the military. So, so that's pretty much uh, my career in a nutshell. Uh, I hope I answered that correctly. You, you didn't know you answered it great. You answered my next question too. That's how good that answer was. Cause I was going to ask you what legacy that you hope to leave behind, but it sounds like you pretty much nailed it right there. The fact that you've been able to change a lot of other people's lives for the better, which you do in civilian life too. Yeah. It's, it's the same. I, I treat it the same way. Um, and once again, for me, the civilian side and my military career have a lot of parallels. I mean, when as the leader of a company, yeah, uh, you you have uh, a lot of people working for you, and everybody's not from the same place. They're not the same age. They're not the same race. They they come from different parts of the, the state, or they're here for different reasons. Some are college students. Some are a little bit older. Some are uh, this is their career, and this is what they do for a living. Some people are part-time, and and you have a lot of different beliefs and different things. But at the end of the day, I, my job is to help them come together for a common goal, just like in the military. And I tell them, while you're here, what we want to do is we want to serve people really good food in a timely fashion and make them feel good about coming to downtown Hattiesburg. So that's one of the and, – and when they, when they do leave, whether it's college students or they move on to a different career, I, I want to have a relationship with them that they come back and hopefully have, have had some impact on them for what they learned, not just serving food, but just even about life. That's amazing. That's amazing. How many restaurants do you have now? I was just, I was, I've seen a number of them, but I mean, like I said, I'd, I'd remembered the um, Southbound Bagel because the last time I was down there, it's like that's where I ate breakfast. It was fantastic. Right. I appreciate it. Yeah. Currently we have four. Four. And, and we, and, and they're like really, really close. I mean, Nelly's Chicken and Dackers and Southbound Bagel are, Bagel are in the same building. Yeah. So, and then right across the street is uh, Hattiesburgers and Blues. So I always joke and say that's that's really one big restaurant with Front Street in the middle. You just have to watch. Don't get hit by a car when you when you're going from one restaurant to the other. Well, the good news, is, I mean, you don't have a lot of mileage to ride off, but other than that, it works out pretty well, right? Right. Yeah. Right. I don't. I mean, once I park my truck here, on the, and I pretty much it, it doesn't move. As we wrap up, I just want to ask you, what do you think, what's the importance of recognizing veterans? Because you've obviously been recognized in a pretty big way, which I think is amazing. So congratulations. Well, I appreciate it. I just think that, you know, the the military is, uh, we we have it uh, better than we know in the United States. This is a voluntary force. Uh, you, you volunteer to, to um to be a part of the, the military for, and a lot of people join the military for a lot of different reasons. I mean, some people join for education, some people join for the adventure or some people join for the money or serving the country. It's a lot of different uh, reasons that people do it. But at the end of the day, people volunteer, right? They're not, they're not forced to do it in this country. So when people serve and protect this, this country and, and protect our freedom, I think it's important to continue to 
to uh, to recognize them because they they made a sacrifice not not just the soldier or the, the service member, but their families also. So I think the recognition is just continually just reminding them that we appreciate what what they've done. And I'm not just speaking for myself; I'm speaking for for other veterans that. You know, it, it feels good to be for your service to be uh, to be recognized. So I think that's that's uh, I think it's important to do that. But once again, it's a voluntary force, so nobody's forced to do it. But but we all know we need it. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I t- it's been great visiting with you. Thank you so much for joining. And congratulations. I thank you. No problem. I appreciate it. All right. We want to thank Bobby Caruthers, who's retired from the U.S. Navy, second-class petty officer serving in Vietnam, as well as MPB's current site engineer and coach Charlie Milton. As you know, the retired Army sergeant out of Fort Bragg, North Carolina, also current host of AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. And as well, I want to thank you both for your service to the United States of America. You're listening to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. In with us on the phone today is Colonel Sheila Vernado, the chair of the Hattiesburg Veteran of the Year Selection Committee, the person you're going to get the phone call from when you win. And she's going to talk a little bit about the events surrounding their celebrations and of the holiday, including a 24-hour vigil, parade, and ceremony honoring the city's unsung heroes. Colonel, welcome to the show. It's good to talk to you again. The last time I saw you, I guess, was 9-11 ceremony. So it's so good and an honor to have you on the air with us today. Well, it's it's wonderful and an honor to be on with you today, and thank you so very much. So basically, we talked to the previous two winners, and they both thought somebody was pulling their leg when when you called. <laughs> they were like, were like, "Oh, it's her! Oh no, this can't be! This is this is amazing!" But anyway, I mean, it was like they were they were like, "Oh no!" I, I you know, it was just such a huge honor for them. But they were kind of like, but then when they realized, no, she wouldn't pull my leg. Right, exactly. They should know colonels don't do that. Exactly. See, that's the thing. I could have told them that. And I've met you. You're serious, definitely. And thank you. That's like I said, it's such a – I enjoyed meeting you so much down in, in Hattiesburg. It's just so good to get to talk to you. Good to talk to you again as well. Talk a little bit about your work with the Veterans Committee. I, like I said, I'm very impressed at how much Hattiesburg does to honor veterans and, and the hard work that you do and the, and the committee does. Right. Well, yes, Hattiesburg is a very uh, veteran-friendly community. I think it's because so many uh, of the citizens here have either served themselves, their parents have served, their relatives, and Camp Shelby is right down the road from us. And so they are not strangers to the military community, and they certainly always recognize veterans. And so the city of Hattiesburg has been having a recognition of veterans for a number of years, long before I even um, relocated and retired here. Uh, But I got involved once I moved to Hattiesburg, and they uh, welcomed me along with others with open arms. And so this year uh, we will be celebrating or, or recognizing, memorializing is a better term, memorializing Veterans Day again um, this year. And so, uh, as you already alluded to, we will kick off the activities, um, the city's uh, actual official program, starting on Thursday, November the 10th, when uh, some of the cadets from the uh, USM Air Force ROTC will conduct a vigil uh, starting at 10 a.m. on Thursday, November the 10th, and they will be out there. Um, at the uh, Sonny Montgomery flag post 
uh, taking uh, keeping watch until 11 a.m. on Friday, November the 11th. And they have been doing that now for a number of years. Uh, in addition to them keeping a vigil and watch, at 7 p.m. on Thursday, November 10th, they will actually read the 173 names of those who are fallen from this community. And those are from all of the wars that we've had. They will read all 173 of those names at 7 p.m. on Thursday. And then Friday, uh, November the 11th, uh, and this all started, as I know you and your audience knows, uh, after World War One, uh, Armistice Day, it was originally uh, known as, uh, and they ended that war at the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. And so that's why we still in this nation celebrate Veterans Day on November the 11th. And our program starts at 11 a.m. And so that's significance to history. Now, we will, of course, start our day at 10 a.m., uh, with our Veterans Day Parade. It starts at a church on Hardy Street and comes straight down Hardy Street to our Veterans Memorial Park, where at 11 a.m. promptly we will start the Veterans Day program. And so it's during that program then that uh, we will uh, announce again to our community who the um, Veteran of the Year is, who was selected, and you've spoken with him now, uh, Sergeant First Class Nelson Haskin uh, is the 2022 Veteran of the Year. He will be announced and presented again to our community and presented with a, a proclamation from the May. And this year, instead of having a speaker, uh, we are going to, uh, the committee is going to recognize all of the previous uh, Veterans of the Year. Uh, and so that number is um, a total of 28. Now, not all of them are still living, uh, unfortunately. Many have passed away. But luckily for this community, our very first veteran of the year, uh, who was named in 1994, is still with us. Uh, so we will, uh, we will honor him anew. Uh, Sergeant First Class retired uh, Charles Brown. And so, uh, but all of us who have been uh, selected as Veterans of the Year will be recognized during this program. Um, some quilts of uh, valor will be presented to some of our veterans. And so it's just going to be a grand program. Some of the family members of some of the uh, people who uh, originally started celebrating Veterans Day at Veterans Memorial Park their family members will be uh, with us on November the 11th, uh, memorializing uh, those who had a vision for how the city of Hattiesburg wanted to honor veterans, uh, even though they're no longer with us. Uh, so we need to have a wonderful day. One of the golden threads that seems to run through all the, the winners, and particularly the last two, is just how active they are in the community as well and, and how much they give back. And, I mean, what a blessing that's been. I mean, I was just looking at Nelson's, you know, bio, and I'm just like, okay, I'm lazy. Um, he, he He's a busy guy. Uh, so, but, I mean, like I said, that, that's a big part of it, the fact that, you know, you've got such a huge military tradition there in the Hattiesburg area, but, but the folks that stick around give so much back to the city too. Right. And that's really what we look for. I, I chair the uh, selection committee 
And that's the criteria that we share with the public, and we open it up to the public. Anyone can nominate someone. Uh, There's some basic criteria, but um, we share with the public. It's not so much the fact that they served in the military. That's the bare minimum. No one could even be considered if they don't have military service. But we're really looking for those who, once they've come back home or made Hattiesburg their home, uh, that they continue to serve. Because being in the military, uh, all of us, uh, from the moment we walk in until the day we walk out, uh, we are told constantly, this is not about you, this is service to your nation. And so we all have that in our DNA. Um, And so many veterans, when they come back uh, and get settled in our community or any other community, they are looking for ways to serve because that's what they're accustomed to doing. And so all of the selectees, uh, and we have 28 of them now, all of the selectees have all, you know, come in and gotten to, gotten to work. Uh, they are busy in this community, and they are not strangers. So when we introduce someone as the veteran of the year, our intent is this will not be the first time that this community will have heard that person's name or seen their face. They will know them because they have been doing something of note in the community, and we really try to uh, honor that as we honor uh, outstanding veterans, but those who are continuing to serve. Let's talk a little bit about your service. I mean, you've had a fascinating career in your own right, and talk a little bit why you decided to join the military and, and some of the things that you got to do while you were serving our country. Well, now, I was not a colonel when I came into the military many years ago. So I started out as a young uh, second lieutenant, uh, and the Women's Army Corps uh, was still in existence at the time I came in. Uh, So I was a WAC when I initially came in and then transitioned into the regular Army. But just in all honesty, like I said, I was a young uh, 20-some-year-old uh, second lieutenant, and I came in for the reason that many young people do. I was looking for uh, some excitement. I was looking for the ability to travel. I was uh, a little bit stuck on, okay, so I've have, I have this degree. Now what am I going to do? Uh, and so I ended up joining the military. Uh, my initial commitment was only three years, and so I knew that was not a lifetime. Uh, but I got in. I found that I, it kind of suited me. It seemed that I took to it, and it took to me. And so I ended up staying 27 uh, years, uh, plus a few months, uh, and then did come out as a colonel. So I had an opportunity to just travel to a number of different places. Um, Some not really (laughs) would have been my choice, but that's not part of the bargain when you join the military. You go where they want you to go. Um, But anyway, I've had uh, just a number of opportunities And I think I would highlight uh, my last one, which I didn't see it coming, uh, as no one did. Uh, But it actually ended up, in my view, being my most fulfilling assignment because I was able to do what the Army had trained me to do all those years. Uh, The military, all of the military services, it's a combination of uh, the book learning, the theory uh, of, of leadership and whatever your craft is, whatever your skill is, but then also hands-on doing it. And so uh, I have spent spent many years, 25 years, in fact, uh, being trained and then going out in the field and doing what uh, I was trained to do. But I had never had to do it in a wartime 
scenario until year 25 as a colonel, and I was assigned to 3rd Army, uh, um, Patton's Army, which uh, our mission focus uh, was the Middle East. And so when 9-11 hit, we all knew, okay, the world just changed, and it did certainly for us. And so my last two years, two-plus a little bit years, I spent deployed uh, primarily to Kuwait in support of Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Iraqi Freedom. Uh, my time there was certainly as a at the senior level as a planner, just ensuring that everything that the war fighters needed, we had it there for them. In my case, we had the right people in the right place at the right time. Um, and so, but, you know, in all honesty, because I had never been deployed before, all of my service had been uh, stateside, I didn't know if I was really up to the challenge to do what the Army was expecting me to do. But I was able to have that question answered. And so I left feeling good about the time, all those 25 years that they had poured into me. I actually was a good student, and I had learned and I had done the things I needed to do to be prepared to carry my weight uh, as we, uh, you know, con- um, responded to 9-11. And so uh, that was the most eye-opening experience for me uh, because I saw firsthand what it takes um, to actually execute properly uh, a war. Uh, We come together, uh, all of the services jointly. Uh, There's no one service that can fight any war by themselves. And so we come together jointly to do that. Uh, So we have to speak the same language. Uh, We have to communicate up and down because if, you know, the Air Force doesn't know what the Army is planning to do and the Navy doesn't know what, you know, the Marines are planning to do, it is a fiasco. Uh, So I got a chance to work in that coalition and also with other nations as well and saw just how well we come together, we work uh, towards that common goal. And so it was the most rewarding for me personally because I felt like the Army had trained me well. I did what the Army and all of the other services expected me to do, and I was able to leave when my time was up holding my head high and being proud of the service that I rendered to this nation. Well, you definitely had an incredible challenge, and you handled it really well. I would imagine planning in peacetime and planning at wartime are two different things because wartime is so fluid. And uh, you were planning on a level that normally generals handle, and you were doing it as a colonel. So that just says a lot about your talent and your ability. Well, thank you for saying that. In fact, with your saying that uh, Third Army is the type of headquarters during peacetime, all of our key positions, or certainly at the time I was there, were uh, headed up by colonels. Oh, that's cool. And but but during wartime, during wartime, the colonels become the deputies, and then they bring in general officers to be uh, the lead. And so that is what happened. The generals came in, um, and they started, you know, being the lead in every area. But I can say uh, proudly that uh, my boss asked me, a three-star general, he asked me, do I need to bring in a general for your area? And I assured him, no, sir, I think I can handle this. And so he said, okay, I won't do it, and he didn't do it. 
And so there was only two areas where colonels, I was one area in the personnel area, and then our comptroller, which is, um, you know, the person, the money. Those were the only two areas that the colonels remained. All of the others were headed up by generals, and then the colonels became their deputies. Well, Colonel, thank you so much for your service, and thank you so much for being on today. And uh, it's been a great show, and congratulations once again to the to the winners of the Veterans of the Year that we've talked to today, too. And real quick, I want to add Felder Rushing because we forgot to add him. He's Navy First Class Petty Officer, 1972 to 1975. Of course, we know him as our wonderful host of Gestalt Gardener right here on MPB Think Radio. Hey, thank you for listening, and thank you for our guest, retired Colonel Joseph Kennan, retired Sergeant First Class Nelson Haskin Jr. and of course retired Colonel Sheila Vernado for joining us today. And if you'd like to hear this or any past episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app or on our MPB Public Media app. Now you're talking is production of MPB Think Radio is produced by Jermaine Flood. Awesome Jermaine Flood. And join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. I'm Marshall Ramsey wishing you a very happy upcoming Veterans Day. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.